Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to an episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for joining us on our third episode. We've made it to a whole three episodes. I'm very, very happy. If you guys are checking me out or checking out the show for the very first time, I would suggest and encourage that you go back to our first two episodes so you can have an idea about uh, what this show is about. Oftentimes, uh, the episodes, the beginning of one episode is going to sort of recap what happened in a previous episode, but that's not always going to be the case. But uh, the first episode was titled The Genesis. The second one was titled New York State of Mine. And I would suggest that you go back there. I think that you would enjoy it. The last episode ran a little long. This one won't run as long, uh, I promise. Uh, but uh, this episode, we're going to title Life's a Blank. And it's up to you, each one of you out there, no matter where you are, to fill in what life means to you. Life can be a gift or it can be something else. I mean, the great poet Langston Hughes, I think he's uh, he's the one who's been attributed with the term life's a bitch. Now, we know that can be defined as suffering and uh, tumultuous and uh, frustrating to a certain degree. But uh, depending on where you are or who you are and how you see the world, life can be whatever it is. Depends on your perspective. I remember reading a quote years ago or, or listening to a lecture by the, uh, the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. And this, this uh, statement had a profound effect on me. I heard this, I want to say circa 2003. And um, I was listening to one of Wayne Dyer's lectures. And he said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And for whatever reason, that statement, you know, just stopped me dead in my tracks. I, I couldn't listen to any more. I spent two or three months just stuck on that statement alone. And I went back and I reviewed so many different things that occurred in my life. And I thought to myself, if I change the way I look at this, does that change the situation? Does my perspective have that much of effect on things? And and it and the answer was yes. I mean, let's take you or I, for instance. Right. Let's say uh, let's say you go through something and you reacted to a particular event. Right. Oftentimes, what do we do? We'll ask a friend or someone who we trust as a credible source and we'll call them or contact them and say, this is what happened to me. This is how I reacted. If you were in my shoes what would you have done? What would you have thought? And that's very important because at that moment, what we're saying to ourselves at that moment is life and how we react to it is, is multiple choice. There are multiple ways that we can react to different things that occur in our lives. There are multiple ways to feel about it. There are multiple ways to think about it. And oftentimes our life is dependent on how we think about the things that occurred in our lives. Hence the reason why in the last two episodes that we've done, I always go back to that Albert Einstein quote, which says the most important decision that we make is whether we live in a hostile or peaceful universe because it informs so much of who we are. Reason why I'm bringing this up today is because we're all, everyone listening now comes from someplace else. 
you know, um, in a different hemisphere, comes from a different background, different societal strata, economic strata, whatever, different part of the world. And as a first worlder, I feel privileged. First worlder living in the United States, I feel a certain privilege to say, well, I can be anything I put my mind to. And I actually believe that. I 100% believe that that I'm my biggest obstacle, not anything else. I'm my, not to say that there aren't other obstacles, but me and how I see my life, how I see my world, how I see my potential, how I see options, if I do see them or not, a lot of what I can accomplish is entirely up to me. Are there going to be obstacles? No matter who you are, there are going to be obstacles. For some, there are going to be more obstacles than others. But all of us, I feel, in the first world have an opportunity to be the things that we want to be. We can invent or reinvent. Our life can have a first act, a second act, a third act. We have those opportunities given to us. But I feel that oftentimes us living here in the first world, we're not sensitive to the fact that not all of us have that as a privilege. You know, I was born and raised in New York City that had its own set of obstacles. You know, I moved to Palm Beach, Florida that had its own set of whatever and then lived in Hawaii and other places. But let me tell you something. I'm a first generation American. <clears throat> Even though I lived and I was born and raised in New York City, which is one of the richest places on the planet, then lived in Palm Beach, which is one of the richest places on the planet. Both my parents are from Haiti which happens to be considered the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Now think about that for a minute. One moment I'm in New York City and then the next minute JFK takes me four hours into Haiti. My mother was born on a farm. My father was raised impoverished in the city. My mother, her, her family had land and the land was plentiful. However, she was considered rich because she was able to eat and her father had land. It doesn't mean that everyone in her village had money or were propertied or were well off. My mom was sort of well off in relation to the people in her surrounding area, in her environment. But you go from New York to parts of Haiti where there are no paved roads, there isn't any running water, there isn't any electricity, no electricity. If you don't get a generator or purchase a generator and fill it up with gas, you're not going to be able to get electricity in our home that we had in Haiti. Think about that. And there are certain people, if they don't have a family member that's left Haiti and gone to maybe the United States or Canada or parts of Europe and are able to send money back then a lot of those people back home in Haiti, they starve. There's something called remittance. It's when an immigrant leaves their homeland, goes to another land and sends money back. And for many of these countries in South America and the Caribbean and African parts of Asia, remittance is a huge part of their economy. So if you don't have someone who's left that country and has gone to a first world country, Canada, United States, Europe, you're probably going to starve because your country's infrastructure, its economic and its political infrastructure may be extremely fragile for a plethora of reasons that we won't go into. Let's just say it's in shambles 
take a place like Somalia, which is considered a failed state, right? Failed state meaning that there really isn't a government. There hasn't been a government. It's, it's tribal wars. Everything's going on there. So people starve. So as a first worlder, you know, you can read memes and positive sayings and and listen to Dr. Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and others and Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and, and Mind Valley and, you know, this one and that one telling you, you can be whatever you put your mind to. You, you can do whatever you want. That's easier said than done if you're in a failed state like a Somalia. It's easier said than done if you're in Haiti right now and you don't have any family that have left or gotten visas or residencies in uh, a first world country. It's easier said than done if you're um, um, in Yemen right now or you're in Syria or you're in Venezuela right now with what's going on economically. What happens when you're starving? And there's no place to get food. There isn't a food bank. You're not close to a charity. You're uh, you're not in close proximity to a charity. You're a teenager or you're a child and you're starving. This idea that you can be anything you can be, or if you put your mind to it, or if you change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. I ask myself, does this work? If you're in those kind of positions now, I have a lot of friends of mine that are that are Buddhists. Um, since I grew up in New York, I used to hang out with a lot of people from different religions. And I remember uh, years ago, friends of mine were telling me that uh, Buddhism, the Buddha says that life is suffering and life is suffering because we crave life turns into suffering because of our desires. But life turns into suffering oftentimes if you're from these poor and impoverished places where there, there is no outlet there, there aren't any opportunities you're you're in a forget about enough you're in a food desert like we like to say in the united states i live in a food desert which means you don't have a supermarket within five ten miles of your neighborhood a place a viable place where you can get you know your greens and your breads and what have you only like little corner stores and things like that but what if you live in a real desert <laughs> Forget about a food desert. Now you're in a real desert. There, there isn't any food, nothing. Um, what then? Is it your cravings that's causing your suffering? Your, your biological necessity to eat? Your, your, the, a necessary function of life is food and clothing and shelter, but definitely food. Maybe, maybe you can get away with not having clothing, but you definitely need to eat to survive. So. I've always thought about uh, Buddhism in that way when um, the four noble truths, when they say the first truth is that life consists of suffering, pain and misery. And the second truth is that suffering is caused by selfish cravings and personal desire. And the fourth truth is that the way to overcome this misery is through the eightfold path. Now, is life suffering? Is Langston Hughes right? Is life a bitch? Is life suffering? Is life frustrating frustration or is it a gift like some of us may believe that, you know what, maybe my life is not what I want it to be right now. But if I just reconfigure how I think about it and feel about it, then things will change for me. Things will turn around. Very interesting premise. I'd like to say that um, in my personal experience, 
that when I've hit what I call a wall, a mental wall, where I feel as if I, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I was on this path. This didn't work out. Now I have to make a pivot. I have to do certain things. What's always helped me is getting outside of myself and helping someone else. It sounds cliche, but it's true. Because there's always someone who's suffering more than I am. And they are closer to you than you think. It's someone who can be your best friend. And sometimes I'll call someone and go, and they'll go, June, what's going on? How's everything going with you? I'm like, eh, forget about me for a moment. What's going on in your world? Anything bothering you? And for whatever reason, helping them solve their issue or just listening to someone else's issues helps me get out of whatever conundrum or funk that I was in. I'm going to implore a lot of people out there that believe that life's a gift to go out there and try to go and help the people out there who don't believe that their life is a gift. There are a lot of people out there that are close to you in close proximity to you that for them, life is not a gift. It's the opposite. It's suffering. It's frustration. It's pain. And they don't have a way out. There are people right now that are starving, maybe an hour from where you live, maybe in the next county or zip code from where you are, or maybe it is another country code. Maybe it's some place that doesn't have an infrastructure and they, they, they're not going to be able to get food if you don't send four, five, 10, 15, 25 dollars. I'm saying that for those of us out there who believe that life's a gift, go out there and help someone who isn't, who, who doesn't believe that. And if you're in a position right now where you feel that your life is filled with suffering, but you have an opportunity because you're here. You have an opportunity to possibly help someone else out who's in dire straits or is going through uh, uh, more suffering, more pain than you are. I have a friend of mine who lost his father um, to COVID. Um, yeah, that's a lot more than what I'm going through. You get what I'm saying? We especially nowadays, people in the first world now are feeling certain things that they haven't felt before. We've never had to deal with a, uh, 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 a sickness or a crisis where everyone could be contagious and we're being mandated by the state to put on masks and our family members are entering into hospital facilities and we can't go visit them. I mean, these are the things that used to happen in the third world. If you have malaria or things of that nature and tuberculosis, now all of a sudden your family member goes in, you can't see them, you know, and then maybe you're, and you can't contact a doctor or a nurse because they're so overwhelmed. Trust me, I've traveled through the third world. I've, I've been in Cambodia and Haiti and other places. And you have this one tiny little 10 bed clinic somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And if anyone catches something contagious, all hell breaks loose. Very difficult, like I said, to believe that life's a gift at that point. You're, you're losing your loved one. You don't know why um, that loved one could have been the breadwinner. That loved one could have been visiting and now they're gone and they were the ones that were providing because of them. They were the ones that were providing the food and the clothing and the shelter when the man, especially in many, many rural villages, when that man can no longer farm and you don't have a, uh, 
a male heir that's of a certain age that can take on the responsibility, that family is going to starve to death. Now, this is the reason why we have to ask ourselves, what does life mean to us? If you're suffering right now, I'm saying one of the best ways to get out of your suffering is to help someone who may be suffering more than you and you just may have the answers for them. And the answers that you provide somehow, some way in a circular sort of spiritual motion may come back and help you solve your problems. And if you believe that life is a gift, then you spread that gift to someone else as well. That's all we have for today. I told you it was going to be short and sweet. I told you that. In any case, um, if you guys want to reach me, uh, hit me up on my email, which is whose world is this to one at gmail.com. That is W H O S E W O R L D I S T H I S two one at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.